are listening to KBOO Portland, and I am Dr. Demento, just barely legal. KBOO has a mobile app. You can listen to all your favorite shows, subscribe to KBOO Podcast, even set KBOO as your alarm clock. Just look for KBOO on the iTunes and Google Play Store. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. You are listening to KBOO Portland Community Radio for the Northwest. You are entering a zone of sound and imagery, a landscape of frequency, a vocabulary of modulation. There is the signpost up ahead. Please adjust your chronometers. This is Gremlin Time. Good evening, this is Fortunato, and a very good uh, happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas and all that. We're going to present some of the tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. These are written by J.R.R. Tolkien, author of The Lord of the Rings, and are going to be read to us by Catherine Dunn, author of Geek Love. And so let's listen now to the first Father Christmas letter. To the children of J.R.R. Tolkien, the interest and importance of Father Christmas extended beyond his filling of their stockings on Christmas Eve, for he wrote a letter to them every year in which he described in words and pictures his house and his friends and the events, hilarious or alarming, at the North Pole. The first of the letters came in 1920, when John the eldest was three years old, and for over 20 years, through the childhoods of the three other children, Michael, Christopher, and Priscilla, they continued to arrive each Christmas. Sometimes the envelopes, dusted with snow and bearing polar postage stamps, were found in the house on the morning after his visit. Sometimes the postman brought them, and letters that the children wrote themselves vanished from the fireplace when no one was about. As time went on, Father Christmas's household became larger, and whereas at first little is heard of anyone else except the North Polar Bear, later on there appear snow elves, red gnomes, snowmen, cave bears, and the polar bear's nephews, Paksu and Vakotuka, who came on a visit and never went away. But the polar bear remained Father Christmas' chief assistant and the chief cause of the disasters that led to muddles and deficiencies in the Christmas stockings. And sometimes he wrote on the letters his comments in angular capitals. Eventually, Father Christmas took on as his secretary an elf named Ilbereth. And in the later letters, elves play an important part in the defense of Father Christmas's house and store cellars against attacks by goblins. Nineteen twenty-five. I am dreadfully busy this year. It makes my hand more shaky than ever when I think of it, and I'm not very rich. In fact, awful things have been happening and some of the presents have got spoilt, and I haven't got the North Polar Bear to help me, and I have had to move house just before Christmas. So you can imagine what a state everything is in, and you will see why I have a new address. It all happened like this. One very windy day last November, my hood blew off and went and stuck on the top of the North Pole. I told him not to, but the North Polar Bear climbed up to the thin top to get it down. And he did. The pole broke in the middle and fell on the roof of my house. And the North Polar Bear fell through the hole it made into the dining room with my hood over his nose. And all the snow fell off the roof into the house and melted and put out all the fires and ran down into the cellars where I was collecting this year's presents. And the North Polar's bear's leg got broken. He's well again now. But I was so cross with him that he says he won't try to help me again. I expect his temper is hurt and will be mended by next Christmas. 
I send you a picture of the accident and of my new house on the cliffs above the North Pole with beautiful cellars in the cliffs. If John can't read my old shaky writing, after all, I'm 1925 years old, he must get his father to. When is Michael going to learn to read and write? Lots of love to you both and Christopher, whose name is rather like mine. 1930. I have enjoyed all your letters. I hope you will like your stockings this year. I tried to find what you asked for, but the stores have been in rather a muddle. You see, the polar bear has been ill. He had whooping cough, first of all. I could not let him help with the packing and sorting, which begins in November, because it would be simply awful if any of my children caught polar bear whooping cough and barked like bears on Boxing Day. So I had to do everything myself in the preparations. Of course, polar bear has done his best. He cleaned up and mended my sleigh and looked after the reindeer while I was busy. That is how the really bad accident happened. Early this month, we had a most awful snowstorm, nearly six feet of snow, followed by an awful fall. The poor polar bear went out to the reindeer stables and got lost and nearly buried. I did not miss him or go to look at him for a long while. His chest was not well yet from the whooping cough, so this made him frightfully ill, and he was in bed until three days ago. Everything has gone wrong, and there has been no one to look after my messengers properly. Aren't you glad the polar bear is better? We had a party of snowboys who are the sons of the snowmen, which are the only sort of people that live near. Not, of course, men made of snow, though my gardener, who is the oldest of all the snowmen, sometimes draws a picture of a made snowman instead of writing his name. And there were polar cubs on Saturday at the party as soon as Polar Bear felt well enough. He didn't eat much tea, but when the big cracker went off after, he threw away his blanket and leaped in the air and has been well ever since. The top picture shows Polar Bear telling a story after all the things had been cleared away. The little pictures show me finding Polar Bear in the snow and Polar Bear sitting with his feet in hot mustard and water to stop him shivering. But it didn't, and he sneezed so terribly he blew five candles out. Still, he's all right now. I know because he's been at his tricks again, quarreling with the snowman and pushing him through the roof of his snow house, and packing lumps of ice instead of presents in naughty children's parcels. That might be a good idea, only he never told me, and some of them with ice were put in warm storerooms and melted all over the good children's presents. Well, my dears, there's lots more I should like to say about my green brother and my father, old grandfather Yule, and why we were both called Nicholas after the saint, whose day is December 6th, who used to give secret presents, sometimes throwing purses of money through the window. But I must hurry away. I'm late already, and I'm afraid you may not get this in time. 1931. Here is my latest portrait, Father Christmas Packing, 1931. If you find that not many of the things you asked for have come, and not perhaps quite so many as sometimes, remember that this Christmas, all over the world, there are a terrible number of poor and starving people. I, and also my green brother, have had to do some collecting of food and clothes and toys too for the children whose fathers and mothers cannot give them anything, sometimes not even dinner. It has gone on being warm up here, not what you would call warm, but warm for the North Pole with very little snow. The North Polar Bear has been lazy and sleepy as a result and very slow over packing, or any job except eating. He has enjoyed sampling and tasting the food parcels this year to see if they were fresh and good, he said. But that is not the worst. I should hardly feel it was Christmas if he didn't do something ridiculous. You will never guess what he did this time. I sent him down into one of my cellars, 
the cracker hole, we call it, where I keep thousands of boxes of firecrackers. You would like to see them, rows upon rows, all with their lids off to show the kinds of colors. Well, I wanted 20 boxes, and I was busy sorting soldiers and farm things, so I sent him. And he was so lazy, he took snowboys, who aren't allowed down there, to help him. They started pulling crackers out of boxes, and he tried to box them, the boys' ears, I mean, and they dodged, and he fell over, and he let his candle fall right poof, into my firework crackers and boxes of sparklers. I could hear the noise and smell the smell in the hall, and when I rushed down, I saw nothing but smoke and fizzing stars and old polar bear rolling over on the floor with sparks sizzling in his coat. He has quite a bear patch burnt on his back. The snowboys roared with laughter and then ran away. They said it was a splendid sight, but they won't come to my party on St. Stephen's Day. They've had more than their share already. This is all drawn by the North Polar Bear. Don't you think he's getting quite better? But the green ink is mine and he didn't ask to borrow. Two of the Polar Bear's nephews have been staying here for some time. Faksu and Valkotuka. Fat and white hair, they say it means. They are fat-tummied polar cubs, and they're very funny, boxing one another and rolling about. But another time, I shall have them on Boxing Day and not just at packing time. I fell over them 14 times a day last week, and Valkotuka swallowed a ball of red string, thinking it was cake, and he got it all wound up inside and had a tangled cough. He couldn't sleep at night, but I thought it rather served him right for putting Holly in my bed. It was the same cub that poured all the black ink yesterday into the fire to make night. It did, and a very smelly, smoky one. We lost Paxu all last Wednesday and found him on Thursday morning asleep in a cupboard in the kitchen. He had eaten two whole puddings raw. They seemed to be growing up just like their uncle. Goodbye now. I shall soon be off on my travels once more. You need not believe any pictures you see of me in aeroplanes or automobiles. I cannot drive one, and I don't want to. And they are too slow anyway, not to mention the smell. They cannot compare with my own reindeer, which I train myself. They're all very well this year, and I expect my posts will be in very good time. I've got some new young ones this Christmas from Lapland. And that was the first part of uh, the Father Christmas Letters, uh, read to us by Catherine Dunn. You know, it's our holiday special here on the uh, Gremlin Time, and, you know, it's not only about kids, but it's about kids who've grown up and are starting families and are setting their own holiday traditions. The show is also about that.
was the night before Christmas. The house was very quiet. No creatures were stirring in the house. There weren't even any mice stirring. The stockings had been hung carefully by the chimney. The children hoped that St. Nicholas would come and fill them. The children were in their beds. Their beds were in the room next to ours. Mama and I were in our beds. Mama wore a kerchief. I had my cap on. I could hear the children moving. We didn't move. We wanted the children to think we were asleep. Father, the children said. There was no answer. He's there all right, they thought. Father, they said and banged on their beds. What do you want, I asked. We have visions of sugar plums, the children said. Go to sleep, said Mama. We can't sleep, said the children. They stopped talking, but I could hear them moving. They made sounds. Can you sleep? Asked the children. No, I said. You ought to sleep. I know, I ought to sleep. Can we have some sugar plums? You can't have any sugar plums, said Mama. We just asked you. There was a long silence. I could hear the children moving again. Is St. Nicholas asleep? Asked the children. No, Mama said. Be quiet. What the hell would he be asleep tonight for? I asked. He might be, the children said. He isn't, I said. Let's try to sleep, said Mama. The house became quiet once more. I could hear the rustling noises the children made when they moved in their beds. Out on the lawn, a clatter arose. I got out of bed and went to the window. I opened the shutters, then I threw up the sash. The moon shone on the snow. The moon gave the luster of midday to objects in the snow. There was a miniature sleigh in the snow and eight tiny reindeer. A little man was driving them. He was lively and quick. He whistled and shouted at the reindeer and called them by their names. Their names were Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donder, and Blitzen. He told them to dash away to the top of the porch, and then he told them to dash away to the top of the wall. They did. The sleigh was full of toys. Who is it, Mama asked. Some guy, I said. A little guy. I pulled my head in out of the window and listened. I heard the reindeer on the roof. I could hear their hoofs pawing and prancing on the roof. Shut the window, said Mama. I stood still and listened. What do you hear? Reindeer, I said. I shut the window and walked about. It was cold. Mama sat up in the bed and looked at me. How would they get to the roof? Mama asked. They fly. Get into bed. You'll catch cold. Mama lay down in bed. I didn't get into bed. I kept walking around. What do you mean they fly? Asked Mama. Just fly is all. Mama turned away toward the wall. She didn't say anything. I went out into the room where the chimney was. The little man came down the chimney and stepped into the room. He was dressed all in fur. His clothes were covered with ashes and soot from the chimney. On his back was a pack like a peddler's pack. There were toys in it. His cheek and nose were red and he had dimples. His eyes twinkled. His mouth was little, like a bow, and his beard was very white. Between his teeth was a stumpy pipe. Smoke from the pipe encircled his head in a wreath. He laughed and his belly shook. It shook like a bowl of red jelly. I laughed. He winked his eye and then he gave a twist to his head. He didn't say anything. He turned at the chimney and filled the stockings and turned away from the chimney. Laying his finger aside his nose, he gave a nod. Then he went up the chimney. I went to the chimney and looked up. I saw him get into his sleigh. He whistled at his team and the team flew away. The team flew as lightly as thistledown. The driver called out, Merry Christmas and good night. I went back to bed. What was it? asked Mama. St. Nicholas? She smiled. Yeah, I said. She sighed and turned in the bed. I saw him, I said. Sure, I did see him. Sure you saw him. I turned farther toward the wall. Father, said the children. There you go, Mama said. You and your flying reindeer. Go to sleep, I said. Can we see St. Nicholas when he comes? The children asked. You got to be asleep, I said. 
You got to be asleep when he comes. You can't see him unless you're unconscious. Father knows, Mama said. I pulled the covers up over my mouth. It was warm under the covers. As I went to sleep, I wondered if Mama was right. And though it may sound like the poem uh, A Visit from St. Nick by Clement Clark Moore, that was actually a piece by James Thurber intending to parody the writing style of Ernest Hemingway. But I think listening to it now, it kind of comes off as a nice sort of postmodern story. And that was read by David Chelsea. And we also had the Ramones back there with a nice little Christmas song. Now we're going to get on back to the Father Christmas Letters by J.R.R. Tolkien and read to us by Catherine Dunn. 1932. There have been lots of adventures you will want to hear about. It all began with the funny noises underground, which started in the summer and got worse and worse. I was afraid an earthquake might happen. The North Polar Bear says he suspected what was wrong from the beginning. I only wish he had said something to me. And anyway, it can't be quite true, as he was fast asleep when it began and did not wake up till about Michael's birthday. However, he went off for a walk one day at the end of November, I think, and never came back. About a fortnight ago, I began to be worried, for after all, the dear old thing is really a lot of help in spite of accidents, and he's very amusing. One Friday evening, December 9th, there was a bumping at the front door and a snuffling. I thought he had come back and lost his key, as he's done before. But when I opened the door, there was another very old bear there. A very fat and funny-shaped one. Actually, it was the eldest of the few remaining cave bears. I had not seen him for centuries. Do you want your North Polar Bear, he said. If you do, you had better come and get him. It turned out he was lost in the caves, belonging to Cave Bear, not far from the ruins of my old house. He says he found a hole in the side of a hill and went inside because it was snowing. He slipped down a long slope and lots of rock fell after him, and he found he could not climb up or get out again. But almost at once he smelled a goblin and became interested and started to explore. Not very wise, for of course, Goblins can't hurt him, but their caves are very dangerous. Naturally, he soon got quite lost, and the goblins shut off all their lights and made queer noises and false echoes. Goblins are to us very much what rats are to you, only worse, because they are very clever, and only better because they are in these parts very few. We thought there were none left. Long ago, we had great trouble with them, That was about 1453, I believe. But we got the help of the gnomes, who are their greatest enemies, and cleared them out. Anyway, there was poor old polar bear lost in the dark all among them, and alone until he met Cave Bear, who lives there. Cave Bear can see pretty well in the dark, and he offered to take polar bear to his private back door. So they set off together. But the goblins were very excited and angry, for Polar Bear had boxed one or two flat that came and poked him in the dark and had said some very nasty things to them all. And they enticed him away by imitating Cave Bear's voice, which of course they know very well. So Polar Bear got into a frightful dark part, all full of different passages, and he lost Cave Bear, and Cave Bear lost him. Light is what we need, said Cave Bear to me. So I got some of my special sparkling torches, which I sometimes use in my deepest cellars, and we set off that night. The caves are wonderful. I knew they were there, but not how many or how big they were. Of course, the goblins went off into the deepest holes and corners, and we soon found polar bears. He was getting quite long and thin with hunger, as he'd been in the caves about a fortnight. He said, I should soon have been able to squeeze through a goblin crack. Polar Bear himself was astonished when I brought light, but the most remarkable thing is that the walls of these caves are all covered with pictures cut into the rock or painted on in red and brown and black. 
Some of them are very good, mostly of animals, and some are queer and bad, and there are many strange marks, signs, and scribbles, some of which have a nasty look, and I'm sure have something to do with black magic. Cave Bear says these caves belong to him, and have belonged to him or his family since the days of his great, 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 multiplied by ten, grandfather. And the bears first had the idea of decorating the walls and used to scratch pictures on them in soft parts. It was useful for sharpening the claws. Then men came along. Imagine it. Cave Bear said there were lots about at one time, long ago, when the North Pole was somewhere else. But that was long before my time, and I have never heard old Grandfather Yule mention it, so I don't know if he's talking nonsense or not. Many of the pictures were done by these cavemen, the best ones especially, the big ones, almost life-size, of animals, some of which have since disappeared. There are dragons, and quite a lot of mammoths. Men also put some of the black marks and pictures there but the goblins have scribbled all over the place. They can't draw well, and anyway, they like nasty, odd shapes best. I have copied a whole page from the wall of the chief central cave. It is not perhaps quite as well drawn as the originals, which are very much larger, except the goblin parts, which are easy. At the bottom of the page, you will see a whole row of goblin pictures. They must be very old because the goblin figures are sitting on drazels, a very queer sort of dwarf dachshund horse creature they used to use, but they've died out long ago. I believe the red gnomes finished them off somewhere about Edward IV's time. You will see some more on the pillar in my picture of the caves. Doesn't the hairy rhinoceros look wicked? There's also a nasty look in the mammoth's eyes. You'll also see an ox, a stag, a boar, a cave bear, portrait of our cave bear's 71st ancestor, he says, and some other kinds of polarish, but not quite, polar bear. North polar bear would like to believe it is a portrait of one of his ancestors. Just under the bears, you can see what is the best a goblin can do at drawing a reindeer. But when I rescued polar bear, we hadn't finished the adventures. At the beginning of last week, we went into the cellars to get up stuff for England. I said to Polar Bear, Somebody has been disarranging things here. Paksu and Valkotuka, I expect, he said. But it wasn't. Then last Saturday, we went down and found nearly everything had disappeared out of the main cellar. Imagine my state of mind. Nothing to send to anybody. And too little time to get or make enough new presents. Polar Bear said, I smell goblin strong. Eventually we found a large hole, but not big enough for us, leading to a tunnel behind some packing cases in the west cellar. As you will expect, we rushed off to find Cave Bear, and we went back to the caves. We soon understood the queer noises. It was plain the goblins long ago had burrowed a tunnel from the caves to my old home, which was not so far from the end of their hills, and had stolen a good many things. We found some things more than a hundred years old, even a few parcels still addressed to your great-great-grandpeople. But they had been very clever and not too greedy, and I had not found out. Ever since I moved, they must have been busy borrowing all the way to my cliff, boring, banging, and blasting as quietly as they could. At last, they had reached my new cellars with their tunnel, and the sight of all the toys together was too much for them. They took all they could. I dare say they were also still angry with the polar bear, and also they thought we couldn't get at them. But I sent my patent green luminous smoke down the tunnel, and the polar bear blew and blew it with our enormous kitchen bellows. They simply shrieked and rushed out the other cave end. But there were red gnomes there. I had specially sent for them. A few of the real old families are still in Norway. They captured hundreds of goblins and chased many more out into the snow, which they hate. We made them show us where they'd hidden things or bring them all back again. And by Monday, we had got practically every toy back. The gnomes are still dealing with the goblins and promise there won't be one left by New Year. But I am not so sure. 
They will crop up again in a century or so, I expect. We'll be back with more of the Father Christmas letters here on uh, Gremlin Time, presented on KBOO Portland Community Radio for the Northwest. Uh, and uh, let's have, you know, it's a holidays. Let's have a nice uh, big Christmas holiday sing-along. And, you know, none was done better than those that was done by Spike Jones. Jones and the kids there with uh, practically every Christmas song there was, or at least the most popular ones, Jingle Bells, Santa Claus Coming to Town. Well, you listen to Gremlin Time. It's now back to the Father Christmas Letters. 1934. 
Very little news. After the frightful business of last year, there has not been even a smell of goblin for 200 miles round. But, as I said it would, it took us far into the summer to repair all the damage, and we lost a lot of sleep and rest. When November came round, we did not feel like getting to work, and we were rather slow, and so we've been rushed at the end. Also, it's been unusually warm for the North Pole, and Polar Bear still keeps on yawning. Paksu and Valkotuka have been here a long while. They've grown a good deal, but they still get up to frightful mischief in between times of trying to help. This year, they stole my paints and painted scrawls on the white walls of the cellars. They ate all the mincemeat out of the pies made ready for Christmas. Only yesterday, they went and unpacked half the parcels to find railway things to play with. They don't get on with the cave cubs somehow. Several of these have arrived today and are staying here a few nights with old cave bear who is their uncle, granduncle or grandfather greatuncle. Paksu's always kicking them because they squeak and grunt so funnily. Polar bear has to box him often, and a box from polar bear is no joke. As there are no goblins about, and as there is no wind, and so far much less snow than usual, we are going to have a great Boxing Day party ourselves, out of doors. I shall ask 100 elves and red gnomes, lots of polar cubs, cave cubs, snow babies, and of course Paksu and Valkotuka and Polar Bear, and Cave Bear and his nephews. They'll all be there. We've brought a tree all the way from Norway and planted it in a pool of ice. My picture gives you no idea of its size or of the loveliness of its magic lights of different colors. We tried them yesterday evening to see if they were all right. See picture. If you see a bright glow in the north, you will know what it is. The tree-ish things behind in the picture are snow plants and piled masses of snow made into ornamental shapes. They are purple and black because of darkness and shadow. The colored things in front are a special edging to the ice pool, and it is made of real colored frosting. Paksu and Valkotuka are already nibbling at it, though they should not till the party. 1935. No ink this year, and no water, so no painted pictures. Also very cold hands, so very wobbly writing. This year it is frightfully cold. Snow, 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 and ice. We have been simply buried. Messengers have got lost and found themselves in Nova Scotia, if you know where that is, instead of in Scotland, and Polar Bear could not get home. This is a picture of my house about a week ago, before we got the reindeer sheds dug out. You can see the tunnel we had to make to the front door. There are only three windows upstairs shining through holes, but you can see steam where the snow is melting off the dome and roof. Even Polar Bear had to wear a sheepskin coat and red gloves for his paws. I have had to have a lot of red elves to help me. They're very nice and great fun, but although they're very quick, they don't get on fast, for they turn everything into a game, even digging snow. Polar Bear says that we've not seen the last of the goblins. In spite of the battles in 1933, they won't dare to come into my land yet. But, for some reason, they are breeding again and multiplying all over the world. Quite a nasty outbreak. But there are not so many in England, he says. I expect I shall have trouble with them soon. I have given my elves some new magic sparkler spears that will scare them out of their wits. 1936. I am sorry I cannot send you a long letter to thank you for yours, but I am sending you a picture which will explain a good deal. I do hope you will like what I am bringing, and will forgive any mistakes, and I hope nothing will still be wet. I'm still so shaky and upset, I'm getting one of my elves to write a bit more about things. I am Ilberak. A lot of us, red and green elves, have gone to live permanently at Cliff House and be trained in the packing business. It was Polar Bear's idea. He said, 
I am going to have a record year and help Father Christmas to get so far forward we can have some fun ourselves on Christmas Day. We all worked hard, and you will be surprised to hear that every single parcel was packed and numbered by last Saturday. Then Polar Bear said, I'm tired out. I am going to have a hot bath and go to bed early. Well, you can see from the picture what happened. Father Christmas was taking a last look round in the English delivery room about ten o'clock when water poured through the ceiling and swamped everything. It was soon six inches deep on the floor. Polar Bear had simply got into the bath with both cats running and gone fast asleep with one hind paw on the overflow. He'd been asleep two hours when we woke him. Father Christmas was really angry, but Polar Bear only said, I did have a jolly dream. I dreamt I was diving off a melting iceberg and chasing seals. That made Father Christmas angrier, and Polar Bear said, Well, draw a picture of it and ask those children if it is funny or not. So Father Christmas has, but he's begun to think it funny, although still very annoying himself. Now we've cleared up the mess and got the English presents repacked again, just in time. 1938. You all will wonder what's the news, if all has gone well, and if not, who's to blame, and whether Polar Bear has earned a mark good, bad, or fair for his behavior since last winter. Well, first he trod upon a splinter and went on crutches in November, and then one cold day in December, he burnt his nose and singed his paws upon the kitchen grate, because without the help of tongs, he tried to roast hot chestnuts. Wow, he cried, and used a pound of butter best to cure the burns. He would not rest, but on the 23rd, he went and climbed up on the roof. He meant to clear the snow away that choked his chimney up, of course, he poked his legs right through the tiles, and snow in tons fell on his bed below. He has broken saucers, cups, and plates, and eaten lots of chocolates. He's dropped large boxes on my toes, and trodden tin soldiers flat in rows. He's overwound engines and broken springs, and mixed up different children's things. He stumped new books and burst balloons, and scribbled lots of smudgy runes on my best paper, and wiped his feet on scarves and hankies folded neat. And yet he has been on the whole a very kind and willing soul. He's fetched and carried, counted, packed, and for a week he's never slacked. He's climbed the cellar stairs at least 5,000 times, the dear old beast. Taksu sends love, and Valkotuka, they're still with me. They don't look a year older, but they're just a bit more wise and have a pinch more wit. The goblins, you'll be glad to hear, have not been seen at all this year, not near the pole. But I am told they're moving south and getting bold and coming back to many lands and making with their wicked hands new mines and caves. But do not fear, they'll hide away when I appear. A Christmas Day Postscript by Ilbereth Now Christmas Day has come round again. And poor Polar Bear has got a bad pain. They say he swallowed a couple of pounds of nuts without cracking the shells. It sounds a polarish sort of thing to do. But that isn't all between me and you. He's eaten a ton of various goods and recklessly mixed all his favorite foods. Honey with ham and turkey and treacle and pickles with milk. I think that a week will be needed to put the old bear on his feet. And I mustn't forget his particular treat, plum pudding with sausages and Turkish delight covered with cream and devoured at a bite. And after this dish, he stood on his head. It's rather a wonder the poor fellow's not dead. But the bear says, Absolute rot. I have not got a pain in my pot. I do not eat turkey or meat. I stick to the sweet, which is why, as all know, I am so sweet myself, you thinnest elf. Goodbye. You know, my friends, too well to think, although they're rather rude with ink, that there are really quarrels here. 
We've had a very jolly year, except for Polar's rusty nail. But now this rhyme must catch the mail. A special messenger must go in spite of thickly falling snow, or else this won't get down to you on Christmas Day. It's half past two. We've quite a ton of crackers still to pull and glasses still to fill. Our love to you on this Noel. Until the next one, fare you well. Oh, it's a great white north, and it's snowing because it's Christmas time. Hey, Hoser, what? Uh, here's a quiz. Quiz for Duck. Okay, I have my thinking toque on. Yeah, right. What are the 12 days of Christmas? Just um, figure it out, right? Christmas is when? Uh, the 25th. Right. And what's the 24th? Christmas Eve, right? That's, so that's two. two. And then what's after that? Uh, Boxing uh, wrestling day. day. No. Get Boxing out. day, yeah, yeah. That's three. I know. Then what's after that? Nothing. New Year's. Four. And what's New Year's Eve? Five. Okay. Where do you get 12? Uh, there's two Saturdays and Sundays in there. That's four. That's nine. And three other days, which I believe are the mystery days. Okay, now, this is our Christmas song, in case you don't know what to get somebody for Christmas. There's lots of ideas in here, so listen and don't get stuck. Okay. By the way, that's me on the organ. You start. Okay. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a beer. of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtlenecks and a beer. Okay, good. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French toast, two turtlenecks and a beer. Okay, that should be more there, right? Where? Uh, go. Fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks and a beer in a tree. See, oh, yeah. More. Fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden toques, four pounds of back bacon, three French toasts, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Okay, on the sixth, two golden Christmas, my true love gave to me six packs of two for five golden toques, four pounds of back bacon, three French toasts, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Seven packs of smoke, and get over six packs of two five golden toques, four pounds of magnet, three French toes, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. This should just be the two days of Christmas. It's too hard for us. Um, go home. Oh, eight days of Christmas. gave to me eight comic books, seven packs of smoke, six packs of two for five. Okay, day uh, 12. Good day, and welcome to day 12. Yeah. Golden toots, four pounds of bagging, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Where did you learn to do that, uh, albums? So, like, that's our song. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, and good day. Good day. Happy crowds are mingling, but there's no one that I know. I'm sure that you'll forgive me if I don't enthuse. I guess I've got the Christmas blues. I've done my window shopping, there's not a store I've missed. But what's the use of stopping? When there's no one on your list 
You'll know the way I'm feeling When you love and you lose I guess I've got the Christmas blues When somebody wants you Somebody needs you Christmas is a joy of joy But friends, when you're lonely You'll find that it's only A thing for little girls and little boys May all your days be merry Your seasons full of cheer But till it's January I'll just go and disappear Oh, Santa may have brought you Some stars for your shoes But Santa only brought me the blues Those brightly packaged tinsel-covered Christmas blues Some stars for your shoes But Santa only brought me the blues Those brightly packaged tinsel-covered Christmas blues listening to the Father Christmas Letters here on Gremlin Time. Letters written by John Ronald Ruel Tolkien, the author of The Lord of the Rings, which he wrote to his children every year at Christmas time, starting in the 1920s and ending in 1939. Before we hear our last letter, a little bit of background. In September of 1939, World War II started with the armies of Germany and the Soviet Union invading Poland. By October, Poland had fallen, and the Soviet army now turned its attention northward toward Finland, and the German army turned west, where it now faced the combined armies of France, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Great Britain. In 1940, Britain would start food rationing, and it would last for the next 15 years. Young men of eligible age, including those in the Tolkien family, were being called up for service in the armed forces. By the spring, Britain found herself standing alone in what would be called her finest hour. But before all that, in the December of 1939, there was still time for one last Christmas. And in the Tolkien household, as in Christmases past, there appeared a letter postmarked the North Pole. Father Christmas's last letter. I am so glad you did not forget to write me again this year. The number of children who keep up with me seems to be getting smaller. I expect it is because of this horrible war, and that when it is over, things will improve again, and I shall be as busy as ever. But at present, so terribly many people have lost their homes or have left them, Half the world seems in the wrong place, and even up here we've been having troubles. I don't mean only with my stores. Of course, they're getting low. They were already last year, and I've not been able to fill them up, so that I have now to send what I can instead of what is asked for. But worse than that has happened. I expect you remember that some years ago we had trouble with the goblins, and we thought we had settled it. Well, it broke out again this autumn, worse than it has been for centuries. We've had several battles, and for a while my house was besieged. In November, it began to look likely that it would be captured, and all my goods and the Christmas stockings had all remain empty over all the world. Would not that have been a calamity? It has not happened, and that is largely due to the efforts of polar bears. 
but it was not until the beginning of this month that I was able to send out any messengers. I expect the goblins thought that with so much war going on, this was a fine chance to recapture the north. They must have been preparing for some years, and they made a huge new tunnel which had an outlet many miles away. It was early in October that they suddenly came out in thousands. Polar Bear says there were at least a million, but that is his favorite big number. Anyway, he was still fast asleep at the time, and I was rather drowsy myself. The weather was rather warm for the time of year, and Christmas seemed far away. There were only one or two elves about the place, and of course Paxu and Valkotuka also fast asleep. Luckily, goblins cannot help yelling and beating on drums when they mean to fight. So we all woke up in time and got the gates and doors barred and the windows shuttered. Polar Bear got on the roof and fired rockets into the goblin hosts as they poured up the long reindeer drive. But that did not stop them for long. We were soon surrounded. I have not time to tell you all the story. I had to blow three blasts on the great horn wind beam. It hangs over the fireplace in the hall. And if I have not told you about it before, it is because I have not had to blow it for over 400 years. Its sound carries as far as the north wind blows. All the same, it was three whole days before help came. Snow boys, polar bears, and hundreds and hundreds of elves. They came up behind the goblins, and polar bear, really awake this time, rushed out with a blazing branch off the fire in each paw. He must have killed dozens of goblins, he says a million. But there was a big battle down in the plain near the North Pole in November, in which the goblins brought hundreds of new companies out of their tunnels. We were driven back to the cliff, and it was not until Polar Bear and a party of his younger relatives crept out by night and blew up the entrance to the new tunnels with nearly 100 pounds of gunpowder that we got the better of them for the present. But bang went all the stuff for making fireworks and crackers. The cracking part, you know, for some years. The North Pole cracked and fell over for the second time, and we've not yet had time to mend it. Polar Bear is rather a hero. I hope he does not think so himself, though. But of course, he is a very magical animal, really, and goblins can't do much to him when he's awake and angry. I've seen their arrows bouncing off him and breaking. Well... That will give you some idea of events, and you will understand why I have not had time to draw a picture this year. Rather a pity, because there have been such exciting things to draw, and why I have not been able to collect the usual things for you, or even the very few that you asked for. I suppose after this year you will not be hanging your stockings anymore. I shall have to say goodbye, more or less. I mean, I shall not forget you. We always keep the names of our old friends and their letters. And later on, we hope to come back when they are grown up and have houses of their own and children. Much love, Father Christmas. You've been listening to The Father Christmas Letters by uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, written for his family back in the 1920s up to the start of World War II, and they were read to us by Catherine Dunn. Uh, some of the music, uh, Holst the Planets, uh, Mazursky's uh, Pictures at an Exhibition, Sir Arthur Sullivan's Ballet, The Enchanted Isle, on the Steps of Central Asia by Borodine, and a few pieces of Wendy Carlos's uh, Sonic Seasonings. Well, this has been uh, Gremlin Time. Uh, thanks for tuning us in. I hope you're having a good holiday out there. This is Fortunato, and I'll be back again next month on the Bedtime Radio Show for Grown Ups. So long. This is Ursula K. Le Guin, and you are listening to KBU. The Cheerful Voice of Social Conscience, KBOO, Portland. Do you need some quiet mood music? Some soothing sounds? Well, then never listen to Life During Wartime, because they just play really 